0: Welcome to Mixed Company. Bringing the siloed and uncomfortable conversation we have with our friends to the forefront so everyone can participate in the conversation.
1: We say all the things you never would in Mixed Company. Welcome to Mixed Company.
0: This is an important episode we've got going on. We've got family. You guys know we've got Bennett Bennett in here. We've got Nate, Nathan Young in here. This is a really big deal for bigger uh, for bigger issues than just for interviewing. Like you know, we started some. You know, we started mixed company four years, a little over four years ago. <laughs>
1: Word.
0: A long, it feels like a long time ago. People done graduated college from the time that we started this show, um, and we started it on the basis of honesty. We started it on the basis of uh, basis of integrity. And saying real shit to real people in an, in an attempt to foster change and uh, and guidance and direction. Um, and, you know, that's not always about calling out. I see there, you know, there are definitely white people on the conversation. But it's not always about calling out white people. Sometimes it's about having conversations amongst ourselves. Hey, KP, Kristen Paris is in here.
1: What up? What up? Kristen Paris. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, but this is an important conversation. And I'm, I'm excited to bring it to you all that are joining us today. I think we are expecting close to uh, close to 100, a little over 100 people joining. Um, so as I am at meeting people and trying to play uh, um, Studio 54 bouncer or 4040 Club 4040 bouncer, depending on where you like to party. Um, I'm also going to be playing Simeon and I are also going to be playing co hosts so yeah we're here Nathan and Bennett where y'all at where y'all
2: go I'm (laughs) Uh, I'm, I'm here man I'm in my uh, very very empty office I just moved into a new house so my background is not super exciting
3: Cool, 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 cool.
0: Brandon Lee, what's goody, what's goody? Hello, Samina and Kai, we see you. Hi, Gwen, your picture just came up on my screen. Nice to Hi, see Hi there. Okay. All right, we're gonna give people Hello. another two minutes to join, um, as people are joining, I'm gonna ask you all to do a couple things. I'm gonna ask you, I'm gonna give you the rules of engagement, and Baina, Be- beat me to it.
4: <laughs> the first
0: rule of engagement is if you're not speaking, please mute yourselves um this isn't a work man so I will cuss you out like that's just it like mute your fucking zoom you know how annoying that gets please put it on mute nobody wants to hear you going to the bathroom we respect that you need to go but we need you to mute thank you um in the meantime we also want to ask you all to um in this space we're gonna ask for respect definitely from myself um I'm coming back off of a, a, a weekend of self-indulgence and trying to pour into myself, which means that now I need to pull myself back uh, and remember what respect feels like. But also, you know, this we're all family here in mixed company. The whole concept of mixed company is that we say all the things that you wouldn't say in mixed company, which means that the fact that we're we're coming here to have conversations means that everybody that's here we believe in each other and we love each other and we are here working for a certain goal. So that means that we're not here just to call, just to call out. I'm not saying don't call out, but we're not here just to call out, but we're here to call out with, uh, with productivity, right? We want everybody to say something and to give insight into how to make things better, not to just point out what's wrong. Um, and so the way we're going to do this conversation is that Simeon and I and Nathan and Bennett, we're going to go through our conversation first for, let's say, uh, a good 45 minutes. And then we ask you yeah. all, um, we'll head into some of the questions that you guys have set ahead of time. Nathan and Bennett, I want y'all to know that the people, the people have questions. They want to know <laughs> things. I'm, I'm sure. They want to know things. They want y'all to say things to the things that they want to know. Um, And while they are saying things, we'll still also open up the floor for additional questions. Please keep it productive. I'm not saying that you can't be vulgar, but I'm definitely saying that we're not here to just to say shit, to call shit out, um, which is how, you know, sometimes that goes. But we're definitely here to say things because we want to make progress. Um, Please try to uh, keep yourselves on mute while we're speaking if you feel that you you know, if the spirit moves you um, in, a, in, a, in a Baptist Christian kind of way that you need to say something immediately, feel free to enter uh, enter into your chat. I will read things in the chat as we go along the conversation. And yeah, that's like, that's it. That's it. It's like, it's like church, but, you know, while Jesus is watching, I don't know if he's going to be participating, but I want this to be call and response in the chat and definitely productive as we're all here um to make progress so I'm gonna stop I feel like that was a that was a a hell of an introduction no that was a good intro (laughs)
1: all
0: right uh so welcome 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 to Mixed Company as you guys know uh Simeon and I we take summer seriously so we have not recorded in a month what a fucking way to come back to the table uh with some with some folks that you know we know and love. Nathan and Bennett, what's really good? Welcome to Mixed Company. How are you guys? Ooh,
2: ooh, ooh. I, I don't know if good is the right word, but you know. I'm
4: good.
0: Uh, are I, you I, not
2: good? I, I'm, I'm ready for this, you know. Okay. I think that, Kai, you know this. I'm a straight shooter. Uh, you know, I want to have an open and honest I dialogue uh, here today, uh, and I'm excited to. Not just have a conversation with you and Simeon, but also to hear from the community what their concerns are and hopefully figure out a way to move forward from here.
0: 100 percent. Bennett, what about you? I see you got that good uh, quarantine lineup
5: Um, in a
0: barber chair. My dad
5: and I did our best. My dad and I (laughs) did our best. I haven't really left the Rockaways in a while. So uh, just, uh, you know. Doing, doing what I can to keep sanity, but it's good to be back on the podcast uh, with y'all. I know last time was a year-end thing with uh, with you, Kai, and, uh, and was, Mara.
0: Yeah. Yes. yeah,
5: yeah, yeah. So, uh, cool opportunity. Good to be part of this sort of uh, sort of venue with uh, with everybody in attendance, and uh, you know, to just talk about the things.
0: We are gonna talk about things. Absolutely. So let's get into it. Um, Sam, if you don't mind, I'll kick off with the first question and you already know how we do this. You jump in yeah. as you see fit.
1: I'm letting people in the room.
0: Okay, you're 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 making yourself useful. Come on. I love it. All right. Well, I wanna start by giving you guys the floor to kind of tell everybody. Most of the people in here have either signed uh, the initial letter that you guys released publicly at the beginning of June, or they have um, seen it, or they have shared it or some form of something, but let's talk about history because y'all know I'm a total nerd and I love history. Tell us how this got started. Why do we know what 600 and rising is? How did we get a letter with 12 steps that is seemingly a whole bunch of our agencies are following right now?
2: For sure. Um, I mean, it started with the murder of George Floyd. Uh, I live in Minneapolis um, where I was living before I moved here. I lived four blocks away from where George Floyd was murdered. Walked by that corner store uh, every day with my dog when I take him on a walk. And it hit really close to home for me in a way that other events like this in history haven't. Like, you know, I've been outraged every single time, but this is just a, a whole new level given how physically close uh, to me, it was, um, when I saw what had happened, I was actually out with some friends and I was coming back and me and my fiance, we ran into the police tape the night that it had happened. And she's like, oh, yo, what happened over here? And it's like, definitely officer involved shooting. You know, I've been living in cities my whole life. So I can, I know what that kind of whole setup looks like. But then when I woke up the next morning and I saw that video, words fail. And from that moment, I felt such a anger within me, and not, and not not like a negative anger, but like a righteous anger. Um, I felt that I needed to do something, anything, to kind of right the wrong that I had just witnessed. And you know, I've told the story a couple of times on interviews. My first attempt, I tried to just. Put a video together that captured the black perspective that first weekend of uh protests and uh and violence uh, uh in minneapolis where you were seeing so much police brutality when the eyes of the world were on them they were still beating us down they were still putting hands on us um and i cut together this video and it was super graphic and that was like my first instinct is like i need to tell the world how they're doing us um i showed that to bennett uh he said you know <laughs> He actually said, like he couldn't even he couldn't even watch it. Like it, w- it was too graphic; it triggered him. And that was attempt one. And attempt number two or three was, what if we did an open letter? And what if instead of trying to solve systemic racism at like the country level, we tried to solve it within our own industry? And that was really how it started.
1: Did Did you and Bennett know each other before that?
2: No, we've known each other you on Twitter. Calls? Are you? Mm-hmm. You get paper towels? that you?
3: Who
2: is Maurice? More, Maurice,
3: we're not asking you
0: questions. You <laughs> got to go on
2: mute. Um, ben and I had known each other on Twitter. Um, but, you know, beyond that, it was just like, you know, a couple comments here, a couple likes here and there. And, you know, really, he had just re- reached out to me because he realized like, oh, shit, he lives in Minneapolis now. Um, and Ben, you can tell your side of the story.
5: Yeah. So uh, it was a really weird week because... I, my perspective kind of came from the whole Christopher Cooper situation in New York. Uh, You know, uh, people familiar with that, the whole birding incident with uh, Sarah Cooper calling the cops on him. And then it ended with the whole George Floyd situation uh, popping off in in Minneapolis. And I'm watching it and it's, it's just really familiar. Like, I'm from the Rockaways, for those who watching and not really familiar where I'm from. Sean Bell was my George Floyd back when I was probably 14 so you know it, this whole thing isn't new uh and to see what was going on in that area uh yep. i was just really 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 frustrated and it you know i don't think i necessarily had the the righteous anger of uh that nathan did but i know i was just exhausted cuz you see what's going on there. And it's just like, wow, like one, I wished at that point in time, New York was going to have that energy and we did soon enough. Uh, but two, you know, uh, a reporter got arrested. I was formerly a reporter. So that, that hit in a way, uh, I was watching the target get looted and there were like Instagram videos of, a uh, like guys doing a, a whole like rap video in there and, You know, it was just like, it it was just surreal. And I remember spending most of my weekend saying, wait, like a target got looted. That's a brand story. Why are the trades not talking about it? Like that is, it's not just activism. It's not just black people doing a thing in Minneapolis where Target is like part of that fabric on a corporate level. Like it doesn't make sense. Um, And I was just, I was tired of white guys, you know, white thought leaders just saying, Oh, I'm just gonna stay silent because other people have like other people have more important things to say. And I'm just like, I'm gonna challenge you all to like elevate other black voices. Like, <laughs> you know, you have your tens of thousands of followers, you do your thing, like where are you not like where are your black followers? Where are your black friends here? And by the time we get to like uh close to the end of the week, and I'm like, hey, uh Zoom conversations are probably gonna be awkward. I I don't know because I've mostly been out of the industry for since like 2018. Like I was consulting, I've been consulting uh, full time since May. Right. So yeah, I I mean, for me, I'm like, I don't know what these zoom conversations gonna be like, but I I know it's gonna be there. And Nathan commented and I just immediately checked on him because I'm just like, you have to be like way too close to the situation. And eventually, he sent me the video. I couldn't get past twenty seconds of it. Uh, and then he said, uh, "How about an open letter?" And I said, "Bet, hundred percent. Like, let's let's get some leaders to you know sign off on it." And nice. that's uh, that's literally how how it went. Uh, I think at every step of the process. I mean, the letter was written. We brought in quite a few people into suppressor check that to uh, uh put in points that they felt were important uh you know go through a couple of edits take in some more feedback uh put together what happened to be what w- what ended up being published and what
0: then- happened to be? <laughs> go ahead and just downplay it <laughs>
5: <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be objective. I'm, yeah. I mean, it,
0: you're not the interviewer. I am. You don't have
5: to be. Not the journalist head head off off. Nah, I mean, <laughs> it, it, it's hard for me to like, not necessarily be like objective about it because like, I'm in the moment. Like, I'm just like, all right, cool. Like, like, let's get this, like let, let's get this done. Like, I'm not thinking about like how big of a moment it is. I'm just like, we need mm-hmm. to execute on this. You know, we need to make sure that it's right. We need to make sure that uh, we we get it out and uh, get as many people involved as as possible. Uh, And, uh, you know, we did. Had a couple of friends in the PR space help draft up, uh, you know, a, a press release because, yes, I'm a former reporter. Like, you know, I knew everybody at the trades and I said, hey, let's let's send it off to, to everybody and, you know, just, just share it. And, uh, you know, and, and that's it. Like, it's hard because yeah, there are all the emotions involved, but you know, you kind of live with the product, uh, the end product for, for so long. It's just like, you know, but what's next? Like, you know uh, so yeah, it's, I, I wish I could say that, you know, I've properly processed everything that that's gone on. You know, I know that there's been a really big impact, you know, on an emotional level, uh, in terms of people who have like reached out and have felt empowered. Uh, and yes, on an objective level, but you know, when you're when you're down in the weeds, it's just like, and maybe this is coming from somebody who has been uh, a part of a lot of these DNI spaces before. It's like this is just one moment. Like, how do we, you know, make sure that you know, we're as actionable as all the other initiatives that have, that have been out there. You know, I, I didn't want this to be a flash in the pan.
0: So let me ask you guys a question. Cause I think that you, you brought up a good point, right? Like it was a whirlwind. I think if, if everybody on this call and you guys feel free to comment in the chat, um, if you agree or disagree, um, but it felt like, it felt like there were, there are three months out of our lives that we're missing. It feels like it feels like most people, I can only speak for this industry, but maybe everywhere, that are missing uh March and April because yeah. they were shitty because of it Corona.
1: It didn't really exist.
0: And we're missing June because yeah. June was like mad, big mad. Mm-hmm. Like we just replaced the month of June with month big mad, right? Because quite frankly, every few years, every couple of years, every few years, every few weeks, depending on who you are, we get into this space where there is some injustice that reminds many of us who happen to not be white, who happen to not, not be male, and who happen to not be privileged, that we are reminded what our place is. And I feel like June reminded us of that place, right? Right. So a ton of shit happened back in June. Um, So with that being said, you guys wrote the letter and you, you, you had support from a lot of folks, which I think, you know, ourselves included, like, quite frankly, when I got notice from you Bennett, that you guys were doing this, I was like, what's up? What we doing? (laughs) Where y'all need me to be at? (laughs) What kind of Vaseline you want me to bring to the table? (laughs) And I was excited. I, I, I was excited. I still am excited for that part. What what were your intentions, right? What did you think was going to happen? What was like, what did you think was going to happen? And then what did you hope would have happened after you guys put the letter together?
2: First of all, I'm still big mad. <laughs> like I, I'm, sure. I'm that from June, you know, I'm carrying that anger with me every day. Um, mm-hmm. it's something that I need to manage uh, actively every day, just to get through it. You know, on the one hand, it's a positive thing because it's powering me day after day to get up and stand up for what I believe to be right. But on the other hand, I feel like it, it's it's pushing me in a different direction at times. Um, as far as what we expected, um, you know, I think that I expected that this letter would go out. It would be a wake up call for the industry. People would talk about it for a couple of weeks and the industry would move past it like it always does. Mm. This moment in time where we got to speak our piece, uh, where we got to be heard, and then we'd be, go back to being ignored uh, like we always have been. What I did not expect is that white folks would lean in. And be like, tell me more about the systemic racism, (laughs) you know? And it's just like, well, we've been saying this for some time, but now y'all want to listen. And so, like, the dynamics of the conversation really changed really quickly. And that was, for me, when I realized, okay, this can't just be a letter. This has to be an organization. You know, Mm -hmm. we need to do uh, everything in our power that we can do to organize, to galvanize, and to advocate for Black people while we have this moment because the window ain't gonna be open forever. Mm -hmm. You know, I I, I still think that this window is gonna slam closed shut on us at any given moment. And so every day I wake up trying to say the most. Every day I wake up trying to do the most uh, while we have this opportunity. Yeah. I think what I'm learning is that-
0: Hey, Destiny, I'm gonna put you on mute, okay?
2: What I'm learning is like, I can be a little bit more patient, like, you know, me i you know i'm not i'm not perfect but i'm not my mistakes but you know one thing that i do know about me is i'm incredibly impatient um you know i want every <laughs> next day um you know i want you know the most i can possibly advocate for but when you're running at that speed i think the first few months like it was great uh you know we we got the commit to change movement going we got a hundred plus agencies to release their advertising data We got every one of the five, major five holding companies to release their diversity data. Kai, I know you know the history here. In 2006, all the lawyers in the world, New York City couldn't convince them to release their diversity data. We did that with a campaign. Well, they Uh,
4: did
0: convince them and they did it for three years. They just didn't do it beyond that.
2: The The Human Rights Commission. As far as I know, the data wasn't made public. Um, you know, I, I know that there's some data from the initial finding and I could be misinformed here, um, uh, but the only data I've seen is from 2006 and it was that 2.5% of black executives. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Uh, um,
0: they, so it came out. So the thing is that it came out, they did release their data. They did really the, well, the two, so let me take a step back. The human rights commission in New York city was 2009. They did release their data. The only, most people only released it over the course of like a year, three years. Sean, I'm gonna put you on mute too. Um, I'm gonna put everybody that's not talking right now on mute. Um, Shout out to Brooklyn in the background. But the problem was it wasn't consistent.
4: Mm
3: -hmm. So to your
0: point, yes, you're 100% right. It it, it, It took people losing their lives to convince people to lose data 100%.
1: I actually want to back up, back up a little bit. Um, cause we, we sort of like jump from a letter being created to an organization being created. So I kind of want to understand the, the thought process of Galvan, taking, taking everyone that you galvanized. I, actually, I kind of want to take a step, step back, step, step back. Take right. Back. So we talk I'm about the letter. Yourself. Yeah. I mean, look, listen, it's, it's our show. Uh, <laughs> uh we you talked about the the people who contributed to the letter as far as like the editing and, and pressure checking, um, and this is what the question I'm about to ask is based off the of questions that we received. So when when the actual letter was put out into the public, it was basically only signed by by Nathan and Bennett. And so I'm trying to understand like what was the the thought process behind. Quite frankly, censoring yourselves, like, I'm, because this is part of the questions that were that were coming up, um, and how you, what was the strategy, like, around Nathan and Bennett being the face of,
0: or more so. I mean, if if we're gonna be honest, like, straight to the point, right? Because what you guys did, and I don't want to move forward without putting this stake in the ground. Right. This letter. Regardless, and there have been, as you know, Nathan, and as you know, Bennett, many critics. Yes. Regardless if this letter had existed 30 years ago, regardless of how many other people released letters, every time a letter is released, it's important. And this letter was even more important because it, it garnered the attention it deserved. But recognizing that you guys had support, as you mentioned that, you know, you, you shared it with folks and got input. What went behind signing it, just two of you? And then what led to creating the 501c3? Because I think that that's, imp- that's a great thing, but it's also important because there are questions behind that.
2: So I don't think, I mean, the 600 people signed it. As, that's the way that I look at it. I don't look at it as we put our signature on it any more than you put your signature on it or Simeon, you put your signature on it, or any of the other folks who, you know, signed the open letter, put their signatures on it. I think that, you know, as the organizers, we have a responsibility uh, to take on that leadership role to, to be spokespeople uh, for this movement. Um, I think where the criticism is fair is in the 501c3. So, like, where in the the... The, the days between we released this letter and between where we created the 501c3 and we partnered with the 4As, like I, we had all these people helping us out with the letter and then we went and did this other thing off on our own, right? right? So I get that and I think that that's a fair criticism. I think the only answer that I have is that we were trying to move fast. Um, we recognize that there was a limited window of opportunity for us to seize on this moment. Um, you know, I can't go all the way into details on the behind the scenes, but there were a number of things that were happening behind the scenes that we had to intervene in personally in order Mm. to stop them from happening. That would have run counter to what the letter was and stepped on the news cycle. Um, and ultimately in order to form a 501 C three, there do need to be officers Uh, There do need to be people who are putting their own name and their own uh, credit and their own such and such on the line in order to form that um, as part of the legal process. And, you know, the people that I knew were the people who were in the trenches with me at that time, which were like Bennett um, and Chris Witherspoon um, and, you know, Alima and Megan Tuck. Like, so those were the people who ended up being on that board and ended up representing. I think what is fair is that we did not communicate nearly transparently enough about what was going on behind the scenes and the stuff that we have planned. Like so I have documents on documents on documents about how this is structured to be a democratic organization. About how this is structured, so that the people who are members have a say in what gets said uh, have a say in the policies that get put out, but again, in the interest of speed, it' was just like, okay, this has to be a small group, and we need to move quickly to build that infrastructure so that we can have that member involvement. I know that sounds like I'm bullshitting, but like I can share my screen right now and show you right, but, you know the
1: documents behind the scenes i don't I don't necessarily think you need to share your screen, but and in, in full transparency, I think it would be um, beneficial to expand on what was happening behind the scenes, right? So you're, everyone who signed a letter signed it because you know, this was being, we were being transparent, right? And so can you speak to what was happening behind the scenes that made it feel like you had uh, so much pressure that you couldn't rely on the 600 people to keep the, the momentum moving and you, need, you, you and Bennett needed to go off and do it on your own? Um, this is such a tricky thing. Um, even a
0: piece, because I recognize that y'all are, y'all are in an interesting situation where you do have people behind you or, or organizations behind you helping you. So even a piece or a glimpse of why the need for a rush, as opposed to stopping to pause to, to coordinate with uh, the signatories, if you will.
2: Well, Kai, you know the story. <laughs>
0: Oh, so I was right? Go ahead, I'm a Virgo,
2: <laughs> but I'm like, a Virgo. If
0: you ever wanna get points with me, it's tell me I'm right.
2: Yeah, <laughs> no, I mean like, you saw what was going on behind the scenes. There were a lot of uh, people in leadership in agencies uh, who really felt like they had to put a statement out there that said, all these things that 600 and rising, or at this point, 600 black folks are calling out for, we're doing and here are all the things that we're doing, blah, 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 blah. And we got a hold of that and we stopped it. Um, But the way that we stopped it was by saying, like, let us handle this. We're going to organize. We're going to get the folks together um, and we're going to basically handle this, uh, you know, on y'all's behalf. And you're going to step in it if you you take the step. So I'm
0: going to put a point here. I'm going to put a point here. Because I think what's important, even for us, right? Like, shit, me and Simeon ain't nobody. We just a whole bunch of people that talk a lot of shit and read some books, right? And I would imagine that you guys feel the same way. But I think that this is a good point, a good point to acknowledge where it's like, that was a mistake. Because I think for me, as a signatory, not as mixed company, not as this, some I am somebody. Shout out to Jesse Jackson. I am somebody. I learned a lot. But I think, I think what is super important is to point out that, like, the grassroots, and you're right, I do know what was happening behind the scenes. We did talk about it. I think that the best thing about mixed company and our proximity to the industry and our proximity to the people is that we understand that, like, politics plays a huge role. But when it's grassroots, when we're being transparent, the same transparency we um, would expect from our agencies, we... we we are required to give our people that, that the speed isn't what's important. It's the impact for the people that we support. So is that a place? And I think that this is a perfect place for us to say this with all these people. It's about 90 some people on here to say, we, we could have collectively, we could have reached out to y'all, all all of us more. Hey, do you need support? But y'all could have been like, Hey, this is what's happening. We need to make a decision in two hours. Anybody got, you know, thoughts, perspective, insight. Yeah. So uh,
1: but before we right? you...
0: Wait, Sim, I want an answer. That was a question.
1: That, that,
2: definitely. You know, okay. definitely we could have done something different there. I think that in the heat of the moment, uh, you saw how fast that happened. That wasn't two days before you that was
0: less than that was less than 24 hours. Right.
2: Yeah. So for me, this was about it. I know it feels like we were taking power away from the people, but from my perspective, I was protecting the power of the people. And you know, that's what I was trying to do.
0: Hindsight 2020.
2: Right. Right. But but also. So
0: so
1: here's the thing, and and I just I want to push back on that a little bit because you you talk about the speed. But you know, part of having this platform is having insight to what was happening behind the scenes. And there were a lot of people who reached out to the two of you behind the scenes before anything happened, before yeah. the organization was formed to basically kind of tell you that this is the shit that was gonna happen. Like it, it was it was Forewarned, right? Like everything that sort of played out over the last couple of weeks, the fact that you were probably going to create a nonprofit, the fact that Black women were going to feel like they were not being censored or, or valued in this process. So I'm I'm trying to understand how those two relate. This the speed and and not taking heed to. The well, it
0: sounds like it sounds like they had to make decisions, and they didn't. They made certain
3: decisions
0: because
1: is, right, but I made, understand I, that. But what I'm, what I'm saying is, before those decisions had to be made, there were people who basically forewarned that this was going to happen. So, in 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 the spirit of in spirit, we said what
0: he said. Us, we could take our, we can no, take our. No, but there
1: our. were, but there were, but there were more people beyond us who, okay. who spoke Fair. to the, the two of you. And so, what I'm trying to, I don't want to for accountability to be shirked off onto speed and that we had to make decisions really quickly when there were conversations that were being had, there were emails that were being sent behind the scenes also uh, to ensure that we didn't get to a place like this. Because one of the conversations that I had with you, Bennett, was around being really cognizant of what has gone down in the past and making sure that we're learning from the, the wins and the losses and the best practices of people who've done this work before to, sorry, oh, you let them in, uh, to make sure that we didn't get to this point. So I wanna like understand the thought process of probably maybe even the conversations between the two of you around the advice that was given to the two of you before we got to the step of this is a nonprofit. Like what was, what was that conversation like?
5: Yeah. Uh, very, very good question. Uh, yeah. I I remember just very early on, just, I, I heard stuff from, from you and Kai. I heard stuff from Lincoln Stevens from, from Marcus Graham project, uh, you know, another like nonprofit just like us. And, uh, you know, there, there were definitely warnings and, you know I feel like i I came this the d n i space kind of raised me, so uh at very least I had to say, oh, like we gotta make sure it's bigger than like if we're gonna do something, it can't just be the two of us you know uh it has to be you know it has to be about about the people as as much as we can uh uh did we feel that you know, the, the four warnings weren't warranted. Absolutely. Like they were warranted. Like, you know, as much as I've been on boards and, you know, done done the programs, you know, I definitely understood one, I wasn't necessarily in the industry the way people think I am. And two, that a lot has happened in, in those few days. And I wanted to make sure that, uh, that we got it right as much as we could. Yeah. Uh, that said, you know, I, I think, you know, and I'll I'll admit to it too. You know, I think there were, you know, I don't think we decided to do it in in spite of the warnings. I think there was, uh, I was, I think there was an opportunity to do something, partially because of the strength in numbers, partially because uh, you know Nathan doesn't come from the traditional. Dei space, and you know, I no longer like work in an agency, and there's an opportunity to do stuff independently with the help of those that are there. And I've all for years now. I've been considering a lot of the Dei problem. Yes, systemic race, a systemic racism problem, but also one of infrastructure, where those that do know and and want to help aren't like made aware of a lot of the resources right. and. You but know, uh, yeah.
0: I get that. Me, oh.
2: Like, I will admit that there was advice that was given to me that I did not heed. And I want to give you a little insight as to why. You know, one of the first pieces of advice that I got, uh, you know, in uh, kind of running 600 and, and, and starting to work on Commit to Change is don't go after the data. They'll never give you the data. I got that advice. Who from-
0: gave you that, Nathan?
2: I I, get, I got that from six different people.
0: <laughs> Who was one of those six people, that Nathan? I,
2: I, I am not naming names right now, but go I got to on,
0: name one of them.
2: I got on a call with she's right here. <laughs> I got on a call Tell with six DEI experts, and every one of them said, "Don't go after the data; you'll never get it." I went after the data anyways, and we got it. And pause. That, so, I want to pause there. I want to pause I mean? there. It I gassed me up. There. You know what I mean? Like. From my perspective, I'm running the strategy like there's a different dynamic here. I think that I'm seeing something that other people aren't. You know, I'm completely divorced from all the history that uh, has gone down in New York, all the, uh, you know, uh, many, many battles that have uh, been waged on the front lines of diversity, equity, and inclusion over there. And I feel like, you know, listen. We've got a different approach here. The dynamics are different. The, the, uh, the context in which we're having this conversation is different. Things are going to go different. But that being said, I was forewarned about a lot of these things. You know, Proverbs um, says that fools go their own why, way. The wise listen to others. I did not listen to others. I went my own way, and this is where it got us. But I want to
0: call out because I know you said that you got data, but Nathan, the data you got was from 2018. It's not even the most up-to-date data.
2: For sure. I mean, it's the EAOC data that they have, and it's actually very
0: similar to what was released since 2009.
2: Well, some of, if you're referring to the uh, the holding company data, definitely. Uh, But a lot of the independent agencies who participated in uh, Commit to Change actually did run them to the new okay. standard that we developed. And that's something that's gotten lost in the conversation here. We actually developed a draft standard for how to report out on uh, diversity data. Um, and we got to that standard after pulling all of our members um, to say, is this the right way to measure it? Would you like to see anything else? And not only did we get, you know, a portion of the hundred agencies that released their data to release to that standard. And by the way, some of them released it within six days of us asking. But so that is now- capturing
0: the, that way. We discussed yeah. that. Some people are actively doing this because they want it. We already know what's going on with the rest of the industry. Right. But,
1: yeah. But, but can, I, can I ask you a question? Like, you, people told you don't go after the data. You decided to go after the data. What was the strategy behind going after the data? What were you intending to do with the data? What was the purpose of the data? Because if we're keeping it 100, we already know there ain't a lot of Black people in this motherfucker. Like, like, we could look around these agencies. We already knew that the, the data that was just put out was going to look the way that it looked. The The Department of Labor data later, Department of Labor. Day, sorry, I'm joking. The Department of Labor <laughs>
5: Statistics, yeah.
1: <laughs> right, that, that data has looked the same for like the last 10 years. So I, I wanna be like, I wanna be fair and objective but at the same time we work in advertising, right? So like we understand the strategy. What was the strategy behind going after that data? What were you intending to do with it? And I want to be real. Like, what was the point? Like, I think that is the thing. Like, we do things because we want things to I th- happen. I feel like
0: that's because we got time. That's the question. What was the right.
1: point? Yeah. So, we
2: know what the data is because we live it. But do you think that every white leader in this industry really understands how few black people they have? Yeah. Most of yeah. them they understand, understand that every department right. I think they do book. and
0: i th- i I think they do, and I think that that's not important yeah. I think that I think that it doesn't I think that having the data as we've seen since shit I don't know how long I've gone back and the Lincoln says sixty years I've seen even before, right I know you guys have been in conversation with Jason chambers and you guys have been in conversation with other people but Data has been presented to agencies since the late 1800s. Mm-hmm. And the agencies, every time they get data, are like, "Yeah, that's crazy.
1: Yeah.
0: Let me go see who I can give money to to go fix this shit. Mm-hmm.
1: Right.
0: right? Yeah. So I think, and I know someone came to me last week and was like, you know, without data, we can't make change. And I'm like, well, qualitative data to me is just as important as quantitative data. Sure. But also, so I think that we have that. But I, what I want to do is kind of shift the conversation because what, to your point, data the su- I mean, uh, Nathan, the <laughs> success, the success is that you've received data, regardless of when that data, it's the last instance of data that people have collected. Mm-hmm. You have it. Shout out to the pandemic for fucking up everybody's lives, right?
3: <laughs> so
0: now we got some new shit we got to deal with. You guys have this data in mind. One of the things you guys mentioned are who you guys are working with. And I want to take that turn. And what I'm gonna do is kind of um, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna consolidate a couple questions, hopefully into like one and a half sentences sentences of a question because I think this is important. Because you guys have done amazing things. You guys have called you guys have done You guys have used tools that we use every 10 to 15 years, and you guys have done it with a sense of nuance that has allowed there to be a huge bang in the industry, where before we've only held large agencies and holding companies accountable. You yourselves have said you've gotten smaller independent agencies on board. That's huge. So congratulations to that. Not congratulations to you, but congratulations to all of us that have signed it. You mm-hmm. started some shit, good trouble, necessary trouble. Shout out to John Lewis, our now ancestor, who is helping us along this journey. However, in addition to starting that good trouble, you guys now have data. One of the things, and I've, I've been vocal about this, is the partnerships and who you align with. I come from a very, very immigrant family and we don't trust nobody. So I'd be real sus (laughs) when new people come into the picture. So one of the things that you guys did that I thought was interesting was partner with one of the existing trade organizations, the four A's. And while you've partnered with the four A's in the same history that you are both aware of with who makes progress, and who could do better at making progress. You, got you, Nathan, Bennett, you can go ahead and take a couple seconds to drink, because you weren't on Twitter last week. But Nathan, you was out here calling out ad color. And while, and here's the thing, I wanna, I wanna go on record in saying this. I don't necessarily think that what you said or what, what it felt like you were trying to say was the issue? Did I agree with it? Not a hundred percent, but I don't think that was the issue. I think, I think it's who you called out based on your point. And your point was that they that you felt like Ad Color wasn't being a hundred with the storyline. Ad Colors, you were saying, you were saying Ad color sells a narrative that there's progress being made when there isn't. Mm-hmm. Do you have that same um, criticism or critique for other organizations, those that you partner with, inclusive of the four A's, the 3%, and others that I'm not aware of, whether you partner with or, or discuss things with or not, like AAF, AMA, et cetera. Do you have the same critique that you have for Color for others? And if so, why didn't you call them out as well?
2: Yeah, I mean, so... First of all, you know, I think that we all can be doing more to combat systemic racism uh, within our respective organizations. I think the thing that I got wrong is that it is every organization's responsibility to attack the issue in the same way. Um, 600 and Rising is never going to be uh, this organization that uh, you know, hold space for Black folks in the same way that uh, Ad Color does, where it has a futures program, uh, where it has awards that it gives out to honor people who have made it in this industry, uh, where there is, you know, a sophisticated mentorship model. Um, it's never going to have the same mechanisms that MAKE does, uh, where they really go out and identify candidates who can be really great in this industry, train them, provide them with placement and uh, entry-level uh, positions within this industry, we all have a role to play in the fight against systemic racism. Um, and I think that it was wrong of me to call out, you know, let alone ad color, who's run by Tiffany Warren, one of the people who's been out here doing this for as long. Um, as... I hope
0: if you want to say her name, you want to say other people's names too, but keep
2: going. No, I mean like Tiffany and uh, ad color, they're synonymous. Right. And that's like the, the thing where where are like, I think that, you know, a lot of people thought that in me criticizing ad color, I was criticizing Tiffany. Um, and that wasn't what my intent was. My intent was to kind of raise the issue uh, kind of around how we need to uh, be addressing systemic racism wherever possible, especially, uh, you know, right now when, you know, comes kind of to my point, I feel like agencies are trying to move past this issue as quickly as possible. And we shouldn't give them any space to do that. Um, I'm a little off track here. So let me reset. Um, I think that at the end of the day, critique is important to progress and change, but it has to be done in the right way in order for it to accelerate the types of conversations that I was hoping for. I didn't do it in the right way. Um, I did it in a way that created division at a time when we need unity. I did it in a way that alienated our members and the people who signed the letter Several people reached out to me saying, they want to take their letter. they want to take their signature off that letter. That's how strongly they felt. Several people reached out to me saying that they were ashamed of me. Uh, several people reached out, said that what I said was disgusting and that they hurt me. I, <laughs> that is so opposite from what I was trying to do that I am deeply ashamed. I feel humiliated I feel you know, personally responsible that the words that I put out into the world had such a negative impact on people.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get out here every day and fight the good fight. The fact that I got out here and hurt the very people I was trying to help, you know, that's between me and my God at this point.
0: No, 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 no. It's not, it's not just between you and you and your God. Yeah, it's between you and your people, yeah. which was something I tweeted to you. Because I think that that's even more important to understand that as a leader, we, not just you, not just Bennett, all of us, most of us in this chat consider ourselves leaders. We're here to represent people. We're not here to do, because, to, to do things that we think are best for people. We're here to represent them. So with that being said, what was your point? And, and knowing what you know now, right? Knowing what you know now, what is your point and who all is included in that point?
2: Yeah, I mean, my point was that systemic racism is an issue that has gone ignored for too long, Uh, that not enough attention and pressure has been put on the issue, Um, and that I don't think that we will deliver the type of progress that everybody on this call is hoping for without a concerted effort from everybody involved to really hold agency leaders accountable to what we want, which at the end of the day, isn't that much. We want to be able to come to work and be ourselves. We want to be paid the same as our white. Uh, We want to have opportunities for advancement. We want to have opportunities not to be on the, you know, secondary or tertiary clients, but on the main clients that we work for and are inspired every day, uh, inspired by every day. We want to hold up not a, you know, diversity award, but a can lion, you know, just uh, on the same merits as everybody else when play on a level playing field. Those are the things that we all want. And unless we all hold the agency owners in this industry accountable to the best of our ability, I don't think that we're going to get there. Now,
0: I even want to go back and say it's not even about it being a diversity award, but that we want the same. We want this same access and and equitable opportunities to all awards, divorce right. diversity creative or not.
1: Correct. Right. But right. but also comp- comparing like the way that you just structured that made it f- made it seem like uh the Ad Color Award, which I guess you're what you're referring to as a diversity award has less merit than a can award
2: no I, I actually wasn't referring to that but you know i, I guess i understand how it, how it would have come off that but way
1: i actually want to take a step back to the actual question around critiquing other organizations the same way that ad color was critiqued so like to be frank i've been super so hennessy like who the fuck are the four a's like let's let's be real like what was what was the critique around them what was it? What was that conversation sitting across the table from Simon and who's the other woman? Prima. Like what I, was I
0: part- don't think a name is important, but as you uh, are getting, was, you're getting uh, into the partnership conversation,
1: right? And what was what was that critique? Because if we're assessing ad color, I'm sorry, if we're assessing the four A's in the same way that you critiqued ad color, the four A's is coming up hella short. Like, let's be 100%. They've
0: been around longest. Not Mm -hmm. just, and it's not, I want to be clear, at least from my perspective, Sim, I don't know if you hold this. It's not, it's not in comparison to our color. And I think, I think a lot of people know that even, that on this show, we've been extremely critical of the four A's. Not to the point that we won't partner, not to the point that we don't want to support because we all want the same, but- The four A's has been around for damn near ever. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: Like Jesus was working with the four A's as far as I'm concerned at this point. Right. The four A's has been along long enough since MAPE has been around since the seventies. The four A's was around when the NAACP brought up, uh, uh, situations of the, um, industry not hiring black people in the 60s as well as in the what is that the 30s 40s something like that yep. and beyond so if that is the case knowing what we know knowing what we are aware of because I know that you are in great company and you have a lot of great advisors who has been supporting like what why why was the four a's exempt from that conversation of progress? And why are you partnering with them while critiquing uh, an ad color?
2: I don't think that they are exempt from the criticism. You know, uh, I've criticized multiple organizations, multiple agencies. Uh, You know, this was an example where I think my critique was out of step with how our members felt. Um, that is something that, you know, I'm working very, very hard on moving forward to, uh, try to accelerate the, uh, kind of programs and the processes that we've been wanting to put in place to make sure that we have a better understanding of what the members want, um, and who they want us to partnership partner with, uh, who they want us to hold accountable, uh, what policies they want us to pursue. But in the absence of that, you know, I was just stating a personal opinion. It would it be fair opinion I'm sorry,
0: my fall, babe. would it be fair to apply the same critiques you had to add color to every other organization in this industry, and would you in this moment not on Twitter but right now, would you go on record and say in saying yes, everything you said about add color applies to both the four to the four a's and every other organization that has ever um leaned into the diversity and inclusion conversation?
2: Yeah, no organization on the face of this planet has done enough with regard to diversity, equity, and inclusion, because if they had, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. This
1: would be a non-issue. So, so why did you partner with the four A's? I think I think that's kind of the core, right? So there's there's a critique part of how did you assess that the four A's was, was the right partnership. Right. Did they get the same critique as ad color. And then what was the deciding moment where you said, you know what, them's the people that I want to partner with, right? And, and to be frank, part of the, the, the perception of this, this, uh, this process has been that you have leveraged the, the signatures of the black people to get this partnership with the four A's, which is now not, and now which is creating the nonprofit, which most people are looking at and going, well, they're getting paid to do this. And so yeah. it, what what I'm I'm just giving I'm giving you I'm giving you the perception, right? So we need to understand what was that critique like and then what was the conversation that you had with the four A's that led to the creation of this partnership and the nonprofit? or more
0: so just more succinctly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Why partner with the four A's?
1: Yeah. So. Given
0: what you just said, is that no, no organization, no agency, nobody's getting it right. Why partner with the four A's? Hey,
1: can I hear from Bennett also? Like, yeah, Nathan, you're, yeah. you're we're hearing off no. tonight, so I want to hear from him as well.
5: Yeah, uh, I can probably take over here. Uh, I think part of it, uh, part of aligning with the four A's was. You know, they they have and have been trying through programs like MAPE. And last week they, they launched a Vanguard program. I I am a MAPE alum, alumni, so there is a personal connection uh, where, where I'm concerned, where I looked at it as, well, if we are going to represent the, you know, the people as best as we can, there's an opportunity to work with an organization that, you know, from a perception point of view may not may only look at the or may only care about the ad agencies but truly just care you know and tries to do it in in programming and in its uh inclusion initiatives works uh tries to work on behalf of the employees as well and there's an oper- there's definitely a critique that can be levied against uh, the 4As i mean it, it probably I think, yeah. I, I. Well,
0: Bennett, weren't yeah. you? You were a future, also. You were not. I was also. I was
5: also. I was also a future. I was also
1: okay. a future. So, so, and I, I also. So, again, to the behind-the-scenes conversation, Bennett yeah. you and I had a conversation, and this is before. I almost feel like it was before the, the press release went out of reaching out to somebody like a Tiffany Warren because part of the, you know, let's be real, no shade, like we don't know Nathan. Right. So mm-hmm. we know you and we know that you are extremely connected within this industry. And so one of the initial conversations was reach out to Tiffany. Right. Because if if anything, the people would probably be a little bit more less or less critical of a partnership between the four A's or, or u- utilizing. The, I'm sorry, utilizing an ad color platform versus the four A's, because if we're if we're looking at some of the press that you've done over the last couple of weeks, part of your, your, your trajectory or your story, your experience within advertising is, is a critique of the four A's, right? So you went through the mate program and what did it amount to, right? So knowing that you did not benefit in to the fullest from utilizing a mate program, why then turn around and go partner with the same people who, if we're being real and I'm I'm paraphrasing, left you out to dry, Right, so you, you went through the program, you didn't get what you needed, so why do that? And then also why not speak to the people who signed that letter before partnering with the four A's?
5: Yeah, I, I get all of that. Uh, on a personal end, I do not have the best relationship with, uh, with Tiffany R. Warren, you know, personally. Uh, and part of that was just from, from my agency days, I worked at an Omnicom agency. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, part of that was from, you know, my experience sitting on the ad color advisory board, you know, uh, I do salute my friends who have toughed it out and been part of helping ad color become better over the last few years. And, uh, you know, for, for me, it was just, you know, it was kind of, you know, not just, I didn't have the best experience as a maker i didn't have the best experience as a future or you know any sort of uh you know organization that I, I'd been involved with. you know it was just you know I was trying to to make an impact uh, or trying to do something with with my life you yeah. know uh, yeah because you know i I entered the industry the same time my family was going through through the superstorm and yeah to To break in the industry as a copywriter, you know that requires portfolio school that requires a whole bunch of uh, of jumping ropes. and like I had to jump so many ropes just to end up a diversity hire at yep. an agency. you know, and it 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 there was there was no payoff.
1: So I, wanna, no. I want to.
0: Before you get into that, Sam, because I just want to be—I want to be cognizant of time because I, right, I, st- I know you're not even looking at a clock. I, I, I did. Wanna,
1: so, I thought it was seven I want
0: to. I want to be. We got about twenty-two minutes. One first thing I want to say, Bennett, is Bennett and Nathan is thank you both for being yeah. candid. I think Tasha said that. I saw that, and I was thinking it, and it's like. Here's the real shit, right? The reason why we have mixed company is because none of the shit that we talk about is supposed to be easy.
1: Definitely. It's never. None been. of it
0: is supposed to feel good, but it is supposed to be productive. And I think that everything that you guys have said until now in front of these people that are watching is exactly what we're trying to do. Yeah. We can be wrong. All of us can fucking be wrong. We can get it wrong. But what we can't do is stay wrong to stay wrong. Right. And so we're having the conversation. So with that, I offer recognizing that, Bennett, as you said, you didn't have the best experience. Bennett, you know, my story. I came into advertising. I didn't know shit about nothing about nobody. Yeah. And there are people. Who sit in these very amazing positions right now, particularly in inclusion and diversity and diversity and inclusion, who did not help me. Mm-hmm. So I feel you on that. But I also recognize that what we're working on, while yes, it's for us, it's beyond us, right? So I feel like that's where we are now. Yeah. The other thing I want to get to. And Sam, I'm changing the conversation so that we make sure we get to it. Because I know you got 75 questions, but that's why we all friends. And you can ask that over text. But I want to get to an even more important conversation to me. I don't know if you guys saw a shout out to, um, uh, shout out to Walker Wear. I don't know if you guys have been watching Netflix lately, but Walker Wear. shout out to the 90s, shout out to Urban Fashion, Um, the future been female, right? I want to talk about Black women. And... Bennett, I'm gonna ask you to not join in on this, and not because I don't wanna hear what you have to say, but because as a, as a black woman, I always wanna be fair to women, but more, more specifically black women, that I'm not only engaging in one side of a story, and because I don't know what happened in the story that's been going on. If y'all don't know, don't ask me, ask Twitter. I don't know what's going, I don't know specifically. I have not spoken to to the black woman that has been speaking to you on Twitter and speaking about you on Twitter. And it's not because I don't care and it's not because I don't want. It's because being on this show, I need to keep a non-biased view. So Bennett, I'm going to ask you not to respond. Respect that. But Nathan, I'm going to ask you to respond. She not, right. Somebody said, Ebony said she not here, so let's not talk about it. She not here, so I'm not going to talk about what, what went on with her and Bennett. What I am going to talk about, I, I would like to know, respectfully, Nathan, I'm going to say this, four glasses of temp- Tempranillo wine and So please accept this with my greatest uh, uh, respect. It felt like you jumped into a conversation. It felt like, I don't know, you're going to correct me. It felt like you jumped into a conversation about two people, one person that you recently met and another person that you have no, you don't know.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: And that you within a, private dm i'm gonna say i don't know it could have been public in a private dm private dm yes you um bestowed you judgment judgment in a way that was harmful to black women i know that you have said that it is your intention with 600 and rising to center black women how do you reconcile centering black women within this organization with the messaging that came across in your private conversation about a black woman who raised her hand to say that she was harmed. Sure. And I not giving a whole bunch of, of not giving a whole bunch of detail, but the the woman said she felt hurt. She did call out that she was hurt. She did call out that she felt that she was offended due to misogyny, excuse me, due to misogyny as well as, um, oh, ableism Mm -hmm. because of mental health. Mm -hmm. Your response, I'm not even going to read your response because as a black woman, that hurts me. As a black woman that deals with anxiety, that hurts me. So how do you reconcile you wanting to... to centralize Black women in 600 and Rising, but also having a a side conversation that became public about not necessarily uh, agreeing with the descriptors of misogyny and ableism and other things.
2: Sure. Um, I mean, what I can say is that, you know, mental health is a serious issue. and that the words that I used in that situation were imprecise, inarticulate, wrong. What I can also say is that on a personal level, my mother, my brother, and my late aunt have all dealt with severe mental health issues. And that colors the way that I address uh, issues that I would perceive to be as driven by uh, you know, a misperception, of the world around them. My brother has called me up saying, you sent cars over uh, to drive and harass me. My brother has called me up and said, uh, you know, you've hired a Russian hacker to do all this sort of stuff. Or uh, there are people who are trying to get into my house and I'll go and I'll investigate. And it's like, nobody's trying to get into your house. You know, nobody's doing this, this and that. And that's kind of like, in my mind, what what happened in that situation, which is there was an allegation. I don't think that that allegation was fair. Um, But ultimately, at the end of the day, it really wasn't my place to get involved in a personal matter. It certainly was not my intention for that to be something that was spread around the Internet. uh, And thus, you know, I was on the record questioning somebody's integrity.
0: So Um, what about the Black woman piece? Because here's... here is here. Friend to friend, right? We haven't met in person, but that's only because we out here in this pandemic world or whatever. (laughs) Friend to friend. What it looks like in mixed company, this is what it looks like. It looks like you came for a woman you don't, a black woman you don't know who said that she was having an experience. It looks like in an industry where no internal agency organization or external organization has gotten this whole inclusion work right. You came for the top black woman. There are other women who've gone on Twitter, based on what I scrolled through, that have said they've not had the most pleasurable experiences with you. It looks, it looks like. I'm not saying it is, but it looks like you've had run-ins with a lot of black women, specifically in this in in specifically within this industry, specifically within the DNI space.
1: Yeah.
0: And they are talking about it. Right. And many of them helped to edit, provide insight and, 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 and comment on the initial letter. What do you say to those women who feel like they are not being centered within the 600 and rising uh, mission? How do you fix that?
2: Yeah, how do I fix that, right? Um, first of all, I'm not quite sure what the other uh, situations that you're referring to are. Check um, out the
0: chat. They're coming through in the chat.
2: I mean, I can't really uh, follow. Don't worry about people. it, I got I mean, you. I but mean, if you want go to bring ahead. Up, we're, we're, we're fine to do this. Um, there are 70% of our board is Black women. Um, 50% of our advisory board, I believe, is Black women. Uh, we have Black women in charge of our policy, Black women in charge of our communications, Black women, four Black women leaders from uh, Hold the Press, who we've just added to our leadership team. We are surrounded by Black women who are but doing this is the about work. you.
0: Wait, 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 wait. Give me three more minutes and then I'm going to open it up. Who's that? Hey, Pilar. Give me three more minutes. No, I'm sorry.
6: I, I was being really
0: good this whole time. I know, time. mama. I I know. I know. I know. I know, give me 3 minutes and then I'm going to open it up. I I because we're having conversation Bennett, um, Bennett and Nathan deserve the opportunity to give us perspective. So, sorry Nathan, continue.
2: Um we have intentionally made our board as gender diverse, age diverse as humanly possible. Uh women are in leadership positions within our organization. We've engaged women at every Possible point. Um, I think it's easy if you take two conversations out of context to be like, wow, he's got a problem with Black women, but nothing could be further from the truth. I te- have counsel with countless Black women as I go through this and try to make important decisions for this organization. Um, you know, I can't change the optics of there being two Black men at the helm of this organization. Mm -hmm. Um, And I can't ignore the fact that as a Black man in this industry, I have privilege that Black women do not have. Mm -hmm. All that I can do is my level best, day after day, to prove through my actions, through the policies uh, of 600 and Rising, that we are truly centering Black women. And, you know, let's not forget the history here. Black women played an incredible role in the, uh, you know, Formation and the success of the civil rights movement. While everybody talks about Malcolm X and Martin Luther King, not enough people talk about Ella Baker, not enough people talk about Angela Davis, not enough people talk about Pauline Mori. Um, and beyond that, into the modern day, you know, not enough people talk about Shirley Holm or even know who she is. Not right. enough people know Vita Cornelius or Shannon Washington's name in advertising. You know? And then on the personal- Shout
0: out Shannon Washington. That's big sis. But you Shout know what I mean? Like, Clark. Shout out Nathan. to Goddess Rivera. Shout out to every fucking body. You're absolutely right. Say I, their names.
1: Can I actually- can Wait, I, can I
0: actually, mean, no, because I want him to finish. Like, yeah. no,
1: because- but I'm, looking at, I'm looking at the comments and- I'm look- Part of, part of what's happening is, it sounds like you're you're reading talking points. So black men and black men, can you define what it means to centralize black women? Because un- until, uh, like from your personal perspective, right? And how, because you can put black women on the board, right? Like this this is very easy to do. That does not mean that they have power. If we're talking about black women- man, women-
2: I think it's insulting that you think that the policy chair, the held agency chair, um, you know, of this board, do not have power. Policy is the most important Wait, thing that Nathan, we. Wait, Nathan, I'm gonna go ahead on. and cut you off.
1: Nathan,
0: I'm no, no, Sam, and I'm gonna finish. I'm gonna cut you off, and I'm gonna cut him off because I think that's a fair question. The question isn't that they don't. The question is how. How are you empowering Black women in 600 and rising? Period. That's the question.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, outside of board appointments, uh, you know, there isn't really much to go on at this point, right? Because all that we've done uh, is make some announcements in the press. We haven't released our first policies yet. We haven't, uh, you know, disclosed a lot of the work that we're doing behind the scenes. What I can say is, you know, to the earlier question, you know, what does centering Black women look like to me? I think it looks like holding space for them. I think it looks like giving black women opportunities when you know every opportunity, I get a million press opportunities every day, giving some of those to black women and elevating them as spokespeople for the organization, including me. Uh, I think it looks like listening to not just the black women on my board, but the black women in our membership, the black women who are on this call right now. Um, I can say that most of the criticism that I have received, uh, since starting 600 and rising has come from black women. And I don't look at that as necessarily a negative thing. I look at that as black women know their shit and they've been doing this for a long time. And I would do well. Damn, to we listen don't need to that.
0: you to tell us that. We right.
2: Don't. You know, I'm not trying to be patronizing at all. You know, I think that honestly, you said this uh, a couple days or a couple moments ago that I've had a lot of run-ins with black women. I don't think I've had enough run-ins with black women I think oh, if baby, i not get them, you, you know what I mean? Like,
0: and I'm a I, I, I think
2: the more conversations with black women I can have, the stronger that this movement will be, um, and the more success we will have. Um, I'll, I'll say one thing and then I'll move off of this and, and, and let you continue. Fair. I'm from Seattle, I spent my entire career in advertising 10 years in Seattle. There are six black people in advertising total in Seattle, and I know them by name. None of them are Black women. Um, I don't have the same access to or exposure to Black women professionals in advertising. This is something that I don't know a ton, lot, a ton about. I'm learning every day. I am grateful for every conversation that I get to have with Black women in advertising. And I really hope that I can prove to them that I understand the issues uh, that uh, Black women are facing and that I can be an effective advocate for them. All I'll say is give me a chance to prove that. You know, no. I am not perfect, but I'm not my mistakes either. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, gonna go
0: say, hold on, Sim. I'm sorry. I'm sorry because this is a black woman conversation. You won't let me. You won't let me get this yeah. up. friend. Okay. Friend. Um, I'm gonna say this to you, and then I'd like to move on to the questions. Damn, friend, you lean back real hard. <laughs> <Maybe> because- <laughs> After, I, go ahead and answer because I like my question is super important. And I also want to give people an opportunity to ask their questions as well. So go ahead and say what you want to say.
1: I mean, like I, I hear you, and it all sounds like talking points. But I think this 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 goes back to initial conversations that I had with Bennett, the email that I sent to the both of you, because I knew that this would happen. Right? Black man to but, but no, no 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 no, 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 no I, need I need to say this. I need to say this. I need to say this. Everything that you, because I'm also looking at the at the comments, and I'm letting you know that your answers aren't sufficing for the black women who are are present.
0: And right, and because of that, I'm going to go ahead, go ahead, and say something.
1: All right, so cool. The men right.
0: on this call, give me yes. space.
1: You are now centered. Kyle. Let
0: me let me reclaim my time. Thank you, yes. thank you, everybody. Nathan, I'm going to speak to you. Ben and I'm going to speak to you. And if you've ever listened to this show before the last five episodes, you know I speak to Simeon all the time and cuss him out. I don't care. How you center black women is not about what you believe our experience is. How you center black women has nothing to do with how many you've met. How you center black women is not about what you've compared to what you've read. You you center black women particularly those that have gotten to a point in their career where they should be within roles of leadership, but somehow still are never acknowledged for that leadership. Moving forward, if what you genuinely believe is that you are centralizing Black women, your Black women should be speaking on behalf of your community your black women are speaking on behalf of their experiences. And this is why I'll tell you that because even though you, you definitely, you absolutely, Nathan, you are a group strategy director, I believe.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Bennett, you are well, 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 connected within this industry. And even at those levels, black women don't nobody really listen to us. Cause they always think that we're nagging. They think that we're exaggerating They think that we don't know what we're talking about. They think that we don't have feelings, yo. They literally think that we don't have feelings. They think that we like the stress. They think that we like the challenge. People believe that we genuinely enjoy going through life being hurt. So if you wanna center black women by centering Black women and giving Black women the opportunity to speak on behalf of the people, because that is what we do. We speak on behalf of the people. We take care of people, not just our people, every people, people that we feel connected to. If you want to move forward and help all Black people achieve all of, those, all of those 12 points within your letter, let the Black women lead, you consult and allow them to help you make your decisions. You don't get to determine whether or not we feel that we've been attacked through mental illness. You don't get to decide whether or not we've been attacked through sexual harassment. You don't get to decide whether or not we've been attacked through racism. You don't get to to, to decide whether or not we feel hurt. If you want to help everybody, you need to solve for the people that feel the most vulnerable And the people that feel the most vulnerable in any industry, in any country, in any city ever, tend to be the darkest of women in that space. And as a black woman, I know me and Sim talked about this before we got on. It was like, let's not get personal, but it really feels personal. I got on a a, a conversation the other day where it was like, my first encounter with realizing that I was less than was four years old. Because I was a woman, my parents don't speak English as their first language, and they're Black. And I've carried that my whole life. So I understand what you're trying to do. I hear you. you. Nathan and Bennett, you both said we did what we thought was best. I'm asking you, I'm pleading with you to do what Black women also believe are best moving forward. That's it.
1: Right. And so... so-
0: With that, at Mm -hmm. 728, because we are well over time. Um, I'd like to ask people to, to, there were a couple questions in there, but I know, Pilar, you had a question. If you still have it, we'll give like five, four four people questions to ask, because I think that's important.
1: Yeah. If you know church, you know how this goes.
0: Uh, Yeah, Pilar, if you can go ahead, you go ahead. I mean,
6: so... Kai, I just also want to pause for what you just said um, because that was really powerful. Off the dome, it was powerful. And I I think my biggest thing is this, right? What I'm sad about is that 600 and Rising actually could be amazing. Like conceptually, I'm super here for it, right? Um, But what I need to know is, you know, and I don't think you can answer this on the phone, Nathan, but besides putting Black women in place to do the work for you, which is admirable, and that's important because Black women can do anything they want to do very well, better than most. What are you going to do to change your behavior and how you interact and receive Black women and the criticism that you've gotten from them, right? Yeah. Because there's one thing to say, I'm holding space, Black women can come to me, the woo woo, but what are you doing with that? And how do you retort with that, right? And how, because that, and this is, you're not going to be able to answer this. So it's actually a rhetorical question. This is a journal moment or a therapy moment, but like, that's what I really need to know. Because again, when I asked you a question around, how are you addressing intercommunal harm? How are you creating a space safe place for black women? And I gave you resources for that. You asked me to create the policy.
2: No, I asked, I asked you to help. But, you You know,
6: you said, how about this? How about you create it? And I said, I don't have space for that. So my question is, is when you receive feedback, right, and criticism, Mm -hmm. I just want you to be mindful and how you receive and exchange with black women, because that's where a lot of tension comes in. Right. For sure. When I give you criticism, it's not because I want to do the work is that I'm trying to make all of us better.
2: Right. I think that that is maybe a mistake that I, 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 a fundamental misunderstanding that I have that, you know, everybody who is coming out with criticisms actually wants to be a part of uh, addressing it. And maybe that's too much to ask of folks. And I apologize if that put you uh, in a weird place, um, but I did look at the websites that you provided. I did do the research there. Um, I've been, Looking at resources like the National Association for Mental Illness. I've been looking about every time that a criticism has been leveled at me, it's not something that just rolls off of my shoulders. It's something that I internalize deeply. I wish I could communicate to an effective degree how much introspection has gone on this past weekend, how much humility I have felt renewed within my soul. but I don't think that words alone can do it justice. I think that ultimately maybe my over-reliance on words has been a weakness where I thought it was strength. I think that ultimately what I'm hearing from the community is that people are tired of hearing me talk and they wanna see me walk the walk. Um, I think yeah. that time will tell whether I'm actually really about about it. And, you know, I really understand the issues here. Uh, but again, like this this is 60 days ago, you know, um, I'm learning as quickly as I possibly can. All I can ask for is patience and grace. And it's okay if you've run out of it. It's okay if you don't trust me right now, I'll have to earn that down the line.
4: Yeah.
2: Uh, but that's all, all I can do is wake up every day and try harder to get it right. Um, all I can do that's is wake up every day and have more conversations. All I can do uh, to Kai's point uh, is try and step aside a little bit uh, oh, okay. and, and let Black women on my on my board lead uh, for a little bit instead of me taking up the space. You know, those are things that I can do. Uh, but you know, I feel like
0: you're right. There's nothing I can
2: say to fix
1: this. Right. You know, what you so,
0: said is going to fix it.
1: But here's and the thing: that's and
0: stepping that, aside. So I appreciate that.
1: But I want to ask.
0: Jasmine said, can I ask a question? So Jasmine, after Simeon finishes, you jump in. Yeah. So
1: be in, in the Because in the essence of, you talked about speed and time, and you're also talking about needing to get acclimated to the work that needs to be done. Would you be willing to actually step aside from leading 600 Rising to allow a Black woman to lead it? Because if we're talking about time and, and this, is, this was the thing that started at the beginning of the conversation, things need to move really, 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 really quickly. Do you have time to learn if things need to get done? Do you have t- do, like, so would you be willing to step aside? And that's not a question that's coming from me. That was one of the questions that was submitted. Would you and Bennett be willing to resign? And so- I, I feel
0: like that's the, the question, question just cause I want to be my
1: ultimate. No, No. I mean, I'll be, I'll
2: be a hundred percent of you. Absolutely not. Like, listen, I'm putting in the work every week. I'm putting in 90 hours every week, trying to do my level best here. Am I going to get it right? A hundred percent of the time? Absolutely not. Is it appropriate for me to step down because of mistakes because I'm learning on the fly? That's not the standard that you can hold to leaders. But so we
1: expect the same thing from white men. These, those are the same things that we hold to white men. We, if they're not getting it right, we expect them to step aside so that somebody who can get it right in the right amount of time can do the work.
2: I and disagree. So I think I disagree. I disagree. If we're going to have a conversation as an organization, oh. 600 and rising, and we're going to talk wanna, to folks who are at agencies, one it can't be, you either get it right the first time or you step down. It's the work to be more open?
1: important than your ego. Is the work more important than your ego? Black man to black man. Is the work more important than your ego? Is it worth hurting black women along the way to get it right? What is what is worth more? And so this I is. I
0: feel good. like that's the question.
1: Like, you can what is it there? Luke says that for all of those who will exalt themselves will be humbled. For all those who will humble themselves will. Be We're not at church, bro. I'm trying to we humble, humble myself, myself right now. We are not. Really at church. am. We are talking about real issues that are happening in real time, where people hey. do not have hey. the luxury of waiting for you to get it wrong. I feel like
0: Sim, and I'm a, I'm gonna talk to everybody. Like, yeah, I feel like we got our answer. There's no oh. need to push because our role is not to convince. Our role is You're to ask the question and to get the answer.
5: And I feel like we have our uh, answer. Kai and Simeon, I know. Uh, you asked the question to both of us, right?
0: Sure did. What you got to say?
5: Uh, yeah. I mean, this has been a, a crazy, crazy last 60 days. And I think when I first, uh, when I knew that this was going to be something and like all, like at least the roles were solidified, I had to reach out to act, to like friends in the activist space because what's happening now is a whole activist situation uh and the advice you gave me was if you're able to step away from a movement and it's still going you know it, it's still a movement you know i you know i look at just everything there is so much movement going on around that i mean just just off the letter alone right and that is super inspiring. All the friends that that I've made in this industry for about a decade, and all the the little and medium sized and and big wins that they have had in their careers as a result is is enlightening. And I think I said it in a in a tweet response, like no one of us is going to be answering to you know we can't answer for everybody. And I, I tried to you know, approach my role in this as somebody who knows that he cannot answer for everybody. And if it is the people who do not feel that either one of us is worthy of an opportunity to to continue in this journey, you know, in this role, that's the people's decision. And I have no choice but to respect that because it's like, it, it's always been bigger than me and Nathan, always. Uh, okay. The most I can say is, you know, as long as I have an opportunity to continue doing the work, I'm gonna Andy, do stuff. <laughs> Why Sorry, I'm good. It. Yeah, you're
1: good. You're good. Better, can you? We- yeah,
5: yeah. Sorry, I ended up getting muted. Uh, no, I was saying as as long as you know we're given an opportunity to to do the best that we can for for as many and hopefully everybody that we can you know like I'll do everything in my power to to help and you know I don't necessarily believe in talking points uh I kind of suck at them because I just end up talking a bunch anyway but I I can only love
0: you for it and that's okay
5: yeah uh but I only know that you know I can you know I, I don't try to speak to you know everything that i've tried to do in in past parts of my career uh but i know that and i talk about agencies being at a point zero and even for this movement it's very early on and uh, you know uh i i feel like yeah the most i can do is just is keep doing the work Mm -hmm. all i've cared about (laughs) <laughs> for my entire career is just trying to do the work. And uh, I'm not even in the industry anymore. And all I want to do is make sure that it's better than how I found it.
0: Consider right. that. Think about that. Nathan, think about that too. I mean, I right. think. You got, no, no, no. Yeah. Because I want to keep getting to the questions. We got two more questions we will promised for. But consider that you're not in the industry. So there are other people that can contribute as well. Tiffany says there's always room for redemption. Humility just has to come first from both, not one. Sometimes you don't have to have to have a response for everything. Just listen and take it in and learn. And I feel like from your tweet the other day, Nathan, that was what you were getting at. And I think that that's great. And I think that, that it takes, like, shit, we ain't perfect either. And I think that the thing with Mixed Company, I think you made a comment about, you know, we don't judge Mixed Company off of the first episode. Thank God.
1: The first episode. Was because the
0: first, the first episode is, our, is actually our <laughs> most listed episode, which is funny. But beyond that, the thing about Mixed Company is that we've always claimed to not be shit. Not because we don't think highly of ourselves, but because we, don't, we, feel, we feel like we don't know the most. So, like, with you guys, this is learning. 60 days is nothing. 60 days over 400 years of oppression ain't shit. Right. So we're going to figure it out together.
3: I Jess, mean, I, you had a
0: question? Where's Jess at?
3: Oh, can I, I ask my question?
4: But Jasmine, yes. to go first. Thank you. Oh, was it
3: Jasmine? Yeah, go ahead. Hey, Nathan. Uh, so I just want to start this by saying I personally do not believe that you are actively trying to hold space for Black women to hold you accountable when you have me blocked on Twitter. I'm going to
0: pause because I want to make sure this is productive. Yes, that would
3: be Go ahead. I wanted to get out the way real quick, moving forward. My question for you, because I want to circle back to the beginning of this section where we were talking about the situation in which you hopped into a stranger's DMs to slander a Black woman based off of her personal experiences who you don't know. I would like to hear you actively apologize for the ableism that you showed without bringing your family into it by saying, oh, I have family who has mental illness, so I can't be ableist.
2: I would that's like to my agree. point was
3: well. That's where that's it feels let
0: like. Him, let him let him do that. Sure, let that so, be.
2: Certainly, I mean, I can apologize directly for inserting myself uh, into that situation um, and making the uh, I think unfounded assertion that her struggles with mental illness colored her perception of that issue. Um, I shouldn't have stuck my nose where it didn't belong. I certainly shouldn't have commented to other people that I felt that it was unfair. Um, And yeah, I apologize unequivocally.
3: Cool, can you also do that on Twitter to the person involved because she deserves- I have a question.
0: I have a question. I have a real ass question. Yeah. Does public forum, does, does, does the place of public forum matter? Is it, is it not good enough to be here on camera where this will be shared on Twitter, on Instagram and everywhere to also say, and then in addition to all of this, you still have to do extra? Well, can, this, can, this, can this be for, for that? Cause there's more, but just mm-hmm. for the specific thing that we're saying in this nugget, can this be that apology for stepping into something that was not necessary to be stepped into?
3: No, because she's not here and she deserves to be told that to her face. Whether that's face-to-face in a video chat or on Twitter, she deserves to be told, I fucked up, I inserted myself in the situation when I should not have without being vague because Nathan did have a very vague apology previously. And if you're going to make a public vague apology, you should make a public direct apology to the person who you harmed with your ableism.
0: Nathan, would you be would you be okay with making a direct apology to that woman?
2: I I will have a direct private apology to her. I'm not going to do a direct public.
0: Because I feel like this is public. Mm -hmm. This is public. Shout out to Brooklyn, Lewis Ave, right by the hospital. This is public. If he's able to apologize directly... Can that solve this issue? There's a shit ton of things that are that are attached to it. But this specific
3: piece, can this close that? I think as long as a direct apology is actually made to her, fine. But she deserves to be told, I am sorry for the ableism that I showed towards you. And That's I true. agree 100%. Does
2: and it, I will, I question, will DM I'll you sorry, my sorry. phone number so you can make that happen.
3: Um, You can also unblock me on Twitter and make that happen because you can't DM me until you unblock me. So We
0: will take care of it and we will make sure it happens. Who else is also I, I just want to say I, I, I've seen I, I've, I've seen your name on Twitter. I appreciate you. I'm still not shit and I don't deserve that. But thank you, Jess.
3: <laughs> it's OK. I'm going to keep it anyways. All right. Jess. what's up?
4: Hey, 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 y'all. Um, first of all, thank you for this forum. I think it's something that uh, many of us have been waiting for for a long time. Um, I have a statement and a question, but I'll be I'll keep it brief. First, I'd like to state that I think that the work that and the intent of that letter um, honestly could have been so big. I think Pilar said it very well. Like, it has mass potential. What struck me as very strange and also then struck me as being untrustworthy is the fact that it has been almost two months to the date now since that letter went out and not a single communication has gone out to the signatories at any point.
0: It's upsetting recently, I think it was on until, recent, Thursday. until
4: recently after the call out happened on Twitter. But I myself and many others, I'm sure can attest to the fact of reaching out after seeing any conversations. For example, my agency is one of the ones that released the numbers. My agency is also one of the ones in which Nathan, you publicly stated on Twitter that you had a conversation with and instead of reaching out to the members, and when I reached out and asked, when are you going to reach out to the members, can a conversation happen with said agency, for the last two months, all people have gotten is, we're working on it, we're working on it, we're working on it.
2: Yeah, and unfortunately, we're still working on it. But,
4: but I need you to understand that, that 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 is just not how this works. We are in a communications industry. You have to communicate with people. And you cannot communicate. You you cannot have 600 plus 1,100 at what point people sign a letter and not communicate with them what steps and actions you are taking, even if it's on a weekly basis, a biweekly basis that you're taking to make sure that they are able to, one, have the tools to engage within their agencies because many folks are not maybe part of any sort of DNI efforts. And so they need the tools to be able to engage in their agencies to make sure that they can hold their agencies accountable but two, also that they can hold you, the group leaders accountable. So there has not been any communication. And what I want to understand is one, what is the, what is the cadence or what is the plan for making sure that you are communicating with your your members and also involving them in this process, knowing that there are so many people here who have been doing the work and who are willing to continue to do that work with 600 and rising.
2: That's
4: the question.
0: Thank you, that,
2: That is a great question. And I think it's a very fair criticism, and I take full accountability for not prioritizing communication uh, with the members uh, more highly. Um, what I can say is that the uh, legal issues around forming a five hundred one c three, around establishing a board, around putting in place compliance, around actually making sure that people aren't just uh, names uh, on a Excel sheet, but full, fully vested members is very very complex. I think that maybe actually definitely one of the biggest mistakes that I've made as a leader is trying to move this into a formalized organization instead of just leaving it as a grassroots movement where we could be more flexible and be more communicative and be, you know, less organized, but you know, from my perspective, I'm trying to make 600 and Rising an institution that stands the test of time. I'm trying to make 600 and Rising, you know, an advocacy organization that doesn't just represent the 600 people who signed that letter, but the thousands of people who have indicated support since that letter has released, and eventually all uh, black men and women in this industry. That's what my vision for this is. And when you're trying to build something that big, it takes more time than I think people feel like we have.
4: As a strategist, I understand. Wait, wait,
0: that's sorry. Is. I just want to make sure, and I know you have the DM. I know you have. I know you have my info. Um, follow up with others. I want to give one more person an opportunity because I know what you're going to say is right, but I still want to make sure this is a community. We're giving other people the opportunity. You asked your question there was an answer. If there are follow-ups to your questions, please reach out to them and or us. I mean, fuck it. we family. It's cousins. Think, it's think, this is Thanksgiving and and Christmas.
1: It is, um, but I, I also want to say one thing, Kai. I think because I'm looking at the comments and there, were, there have been a lot of questions and issues that haven't been addressed. So I am curious to know, in, in the same vein of Jessica's question, can 600 and rising facilitate another sort of group um occasion where all of these things can be communicated because part of the issue is you're what, right
0: i want to stop the question right. there because you're right i think that's the question right can y'all answer that can 600 and rising offer another space for the members to communicate with you all
2: can i ask a question yes mm-hmm.
0: Can you answer that question? Then ask your question. Well,
2: well I, I I lost the question. So can six hundred and rise name create a
0: space for members or people that have were signatories to address you all like a town hall?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So there's okay. uh, the town hall was an idea that came up in conversations on Twitter. Um, I think it's a great idea, and it's something that we can work to do. Uh, you know, whether it's resume uh, or some other uh, mechanism, and you know, Husani, who's on this call, and Mira are going to have to be the ones. Husani to- is
0: here. To- Hi, Husani.
2: Um, so I think that members and allies should have uh their own different town halls because the stuff that we need to talk about as black folk is very very different than the stuff that uh, we need to talk with you know our ally uh, members and i think also just listening to the feedback here i think it would be important for you know whether i need to be there or not i'll, I'll leave that up to the members but for us to have a specific conversation with Black women and what they want to see from this organization too and hold space for them so that we get that right and we don't just assume that we're doing the right thing. Because I think that's what got us into this mess is that I'm assuming that I'm doing the right thing and I'm getting it wrong. And we um, know
0: what assumptions do.
2: Lincoln, you, and will you will and be me. our
0: last question. Um, and then two things. Nathan and Bennett we're going to actually send you the chat file from this conversation so you can see all the shit um but also so that you can address people either directly publicly or however you see fit i think that's sure. important um, there's a i mean it's a lot of shade in here but also there's a lot of product- productive conversation in here that i think you should see um but also Lincoln i'd love to i'd love to get your your perspective on what's going down
7: Um, Good afternoon, everyone. Sorry, my voice is going to be a little low. My son is taking a nap next to me, um, which is why I'm not on video, because I'm in the bed. But um, anyhow, so my question, uh, I'll reiterate or iterate my question that was in the chat. Um, If you all, as an organization, within the next 48 hours can provide to all of the signatories who are members, quote unquote, um, with your form, Uh, 1023 application to the IRS 501 c 3 the bylaws that go with that form, um, as well as a list of any partners, any dollars that have been received from any agency or organization um, so that members, because I had, as you mentioned, had asked my name to be removed so I'm not a member, I still am going to support the movement because it is bigger than you, it's bigger than Bennett, it's bigger than any of us. There's, there are people who spent their entire careers like Bill Sharp, put a link to his book, uh, Harry Weber. people that a lot of people don't, don't know, spent a lot, a lot of their time to get to where we are now. So I just wanna make sure that everyone has the opportunity to be able to chime in where necessary, to be able to see the transparency that should be allotted as a 501c3, right? So, and and my last thing, I, I would really urge you to reconsider your thought about, uh, Nathan particularly, your thought about whether you would want to step down at any given time or anything like that. You no, know, you actually don't necessarily need like, To be the president of anything, like the your board can carry it from the stage that you're in as an organization, it can carry it. But particularly for the sake of the entire movement, for the sake of everyone whose names are listed and potentially then listed in a document that is submitted to the federal government, the IRS, for the sake of all those people, you really, really should think about uh, the humility that it takes to be the type of leader. That is a servant leader, that would say, "Hey, let me step down." I've been trying to step down from the Marjory Graham project for years. I've, I promise you, <laughs> I really have. And um, it, and it's it's I don't know. Like I have a lot to say. You know, I'm going. I'm going to have a follow up conversation with with with, with uh, you. I hope Hasani, you're on here. Megan Tuck, any other board members on here would love to have a conversation because. As an organization, um, for the last 13 years, the, all the hurdles that we've, we've experienced, I would love to impart that information to you. And the first thing is going to have the transparency that's, that's required, uh, truly. So, so again, 48 hours, um, if, you could, uh, if you are able to provide those documents to your members, um, that'd be great. If you're unable to do that, Um, members, those of you who are on the phone, you can make that request directly to the IRS um, with that information so that you could have the transparency if it's not afforded to you. Thank you. Thank
0: you, Lincoln.
2: So uh, I can definitely provide the bylaws. And this is what I mean by there is a process that we've been trying to establish to make people actual members of the organization. So there are two ways to organize as a 501c3. Uh, You can be driven entirely by the board or you can have members vote on matters. We're trying to set up the organization so that members can vote on things and they have a stake in things. That makes it enormously more complicated and you can see that in the details of the bylaws, which I'm happy to release to you all. I can also release all of the draft documents and planning uh, documents that we have been holding up behind the scenes. And I will tell you the only reason that we have not been more transparent around this process is we want to make sure that we can get this right and that it works from a legal standpoint. The last thing that we want as a, as a new 501c3 pending um, is to jeopardize the uh, our fiscal sponsorship that we have in place, to jeopardize our 501c3 status, uh, and to jeopardize the success of the institution. And that is, you know... Things that I just have to deal with as the leader of this organization. It is not just about talking on Twitter and going on press, although that's what you see me do. There are a lot of things, conversations with lawyers, all you know, um, putting my own money into this. We haven't taken a single dime from anybody. It's been about ten k. I want to. I, I want to also.
0: Right? want to chime in there, Nathan. For most of us doing this work, we also throw our own money. We also don't sleep. So it's not. Yeah, I know. You guys, all of us that do this work, we know the sacrifice.
1: And and also to to, to point to, in in addition to Kai's point, no one asks you to do do this, right? Like 600 people sign that letter because they agreed with those 12 points and the letter, but no one actually asks you to form an organization. And so when you, when you, when you put that into the universe that you're doing all of this, this overtime, it feels very self-serving. And not genuine. And so I hear you. And, and, and listen, I know that I'm a little angst because the brown look are. But, <laughs> uh, but the, re- the reality is, it's, it, it feels very self-serving when no one asks you to. Because if you would have spoken to the people, I think you would have realized that the people who Just are on the chat, on it. the people who, are, who signed that letter would have been more than, than, than uh, willing to back you on whatever it was, if you had if you were transparent from day one, if you were reaching out to them from day one, going, "What is it that you guys need? What is it that you guys want?" Because here's the other thing: if we're being real about white supremacy, signing that letter put a target on some people's backs, uh-huh. and that wasn't even addressed from 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 day one. So there's there's all of this this nuance to the situation that that needs to be addressed, and we can't address everything because. We're only two people. 600 people with individual stories signed that letter. 600 people who are experiencing bullshit on a daily fucking basis within this industry signed that letter. And they've been waiting for you two to, to step up and help them deliver on those 12 points. And all they've gotten was silence. And on this call, I'm going to be really transparent. caring that things are happening behind the scene doesn't do shit for, 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 for what I'm feeling right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna be real. I don't work at an agency. I've been freelance for the last three years. I'm good. Me and Kai do rich ratchet shit all the fucking time. My no, money- Stop telling
0: straight. my business. <laughs>
1: but listen, my money is straight. I'm here advocating for the people who are not straight. And all of us who are indecisively, especially those who are working in, in advertising hubs, in fucking roommate situations, we're in the middle of COVID. We're looking at the disparities, the economic disparities that are going on on a daily basis. And you guys are basically saying that there's things happening behind the scenes. That does not suffice. I'm going to be really, really, really real. So to Lincoln's point, the only way to, to, to mitigate this situation, to resolve it, is to figure out how things are going to stop happening behind the scenes, and it's going to be over communication. Because until there's over-communication and also addressing the, the, the tense relationship between Black women and how they're not being centered, even though you think they are, and, and we can have an offline conversation around Black men and misogyny and misogynoir and thinking, not that, we're today. Doing something and thinking that we're doing something that is righteous, but in actuality, it's bullshit. These are the things that need to be addressed and they need to be addressed immediately because real talk, I'm angry, but I don't want to see you lose. Like that is, that is a, a reality because if you lose, I lose. The next person lose. Yep. The next person lose. And we're in privileged situations where our rent is paid. Yep. We are not laid off. But yep. there are people who are for real, for real, for real struggling. And yep. Bennett, you know this because you know how hard it is to get into this bitch. And so uh, we have sure. to be thinking about intersectionality when we're, when we're doing this work. And right now, all of this secrecy, this skull and bone shit... It don't feel right. Not, it, it don't feel right. It's not going to work. Like, we don't need to hear behind-the-scenes shit. Like, real for real. Like, the only way to address everything that's, in, that's happening in these comments is to over-communicate, to really for real for real center Black women and understand what the fuck that means. And... Yeah. That's 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 all I gotta say, like for yeah. real.
0: So I'm i I'm gonna uh, like respond. I'm gonna let yeah. you, both of you respond, and then I'm, let me close out before both of you respond because I want it's eight o'clock. I could be here all day because I've been drinking. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Um, but the real shit is, I want Nathan. And I'm looking at you, looking to the side, and I, I kind of want you to look at the camera because I want to feel like I want to feel like we're in the same room, and I want you guys to know something. Um, from my perspective, and from what everyone's perspective is, um, you're not the enemy. No. I'm and not. I don't know. I don't know if that's how you felt last week, but from what I read on Twitter th- threads, it could come across that way. Well, y'all are not the enemy. Every last one of us that signed up to this uh, Zoom link this week today. We're here because we wanna be here because we actually believe in something bigger. And like genuinely, if y'all got questions, if y'all got thoughts, if you have ideas, perspectives, like let's, let's do this as a community. The thing about black people, the thing about 600 and rising that was popping was that it was for black people. This wasn't a person of color conversation. This was black advertising executives. This was so fucking niche that you knew if this was about you, it was about you. Word. So Word. everybody that's in this conversation, everybody that's signed up, everybody's email that you got access to, if y'all got questions. If it don't feel right, if it kind of feel right, we're here. I'm not judging y'all. We all fuck up. And we all do great things. And in 60 days, you've done both. You've done amazing things. And you fucked up. And the thing about Mixed Company is that this is the space where we get to figure out what that line is. And Nathan, I want you to win. Bennett, you've always known we wanted you to win, even when you weren't listening to the podcast when we started. And every time... (laughs) time I suck suck
5: with podcasts. I suck with them
0: hey listen, it's all right. But the point is like it's not about us as ego, it's not about the ego, it's not about us as individuals. It's about what are we doing? What are we doing so that we don't have to keep talking about, you know, I want my children to have a better mm-mm, I want to have a
1: better career. For right now. Yeah. And I
0: want my my children to have a better career.
1: You're talking so about because how
0: good. we are so because we are so fucking committed to this shit. And Nathan, because you are so rah-rah about let's throw shit in people's faces, let's do it for the right reasons. Let's 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 work together to understand the historical context. And if you're not sure about some shit, check me with it. And if I'm not sure about some shit, just know I'm gonna text you with that shit.
2: Listen, I'm here for it. You know, if I've learned anything from these first 60 days, is that I need to do. kind of less leading on my own account and more leading with the community at my back. And that means more collaboration.
0: The community Um, will always lead. Yeah. We don't lead, the community leads.
2: More collaboration, more humility, more listening, less talking. And so I'm going to say less and just say, look for what you hear from 600 and Rising in the next 48 hours. We're going to do everything that we can to address the super valid criticisms that we've received here today. Uh, the criticisms that we've received over the past couple of weeks. Um, And I hope that, you know, it's not too late for me to regain all of y'all's trust here. I am trying every single day to do right by the community. And if I'm getting it wrong, I want you to hold me accountable. Uh, We've done that here today and we'll see what happens next.
0: We Well, you got that from us. You definitely know that we love and appreciate y'all both we're cousin. we're all cousins as we like to say on this show you don't ever have to worry about that we cuss you out and give you a hug don't never worry about that but as far as y'all are concerned we are two hours into this show we will break
1: this August up two episode
0: episodes
5: ever. oh man
0: thank y'all